new vehicles, particularly electric cars, they're now coming with additional driver aids such as adaptive cruise control mm -hmm. and things like that. It's already starting to feel a bit like we're on the journey to autonomous vehicles. So I'm going to go with 2025. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. This is a special edition of Heads Talk and it ties perfectly with the current series on the automotive industry. My guest is a leader, strategic business planner and works at the heart of fleet management within the utilities industry. We continue the automotive series today where we delve into sustainable solutions deployed by corporations as well as look at the outcomes of some of the drastic transitions made to meet the net zero target. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Elaine Pringle is the fleet manager in charge of over 2,000 vehicles for Scottish Water. Vehicles such as cars, vans, trucks and the plant. She joined the organisation 14 years ago after completing her degree at Edinburgh University. As mentioned, Elaine is a programme manager, a change manager and has successfully oversaw a number of strategic business planning projects. A number of non-executive director board positions, past and present to her name, she completed an executive MBA in 2013. Previously, Elaine worked at B Sky B and has been described as a hugely personable character who has a high level of expertise in stakeholder management, leadership and service delivery. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Elaine to Heads Talk. Absolutely delighted to have you here today. Hello, thank you very much for inviting me to talk to you today. Right, now, let's get the obvious out of the way for my listeners. Yes, we both have the same name. We both, <laughs> we both have never met another person with the same name combination. And it was somewhat strange during our communications leading up to this episode and recording, having to address each other as Elaine Pringle. I'm right in saying this, aren't I? Yes, very bizarre. Not met anyone with the same name before, so not great angle, Elaine. Well done. Yes. Okay. Once again, really happy to have you here um, for the automotive series, and I'd like to talk to you about the current and inevitable drive to EV solutions and how organisations with their fleet are changing their mindsets and adopting sustainable solutions. You know, moving from ICEs to EVs or hydrogen solutions. As mentioned, you're in charge of fleet at Scottish Waters. In brief, give my listeners a sense of what that role entails. 
Oh, so um, quite a varied role, really. Um, so my role as fleet manager is to make sure that we operate a safe, compliant, efficient and reliable fleet. So it allows us to deliver water and our wastewater services for our customers in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So we operate a fleet of roughly 250 cars, 1,300 vans and 120 heavy goods vehicles mm -hmm. and some items of plant as well and quite a large number of drivers. So we have around 2,500 commercial vehicle drivers and another 2,000 drivers who drive their own personal cars for business journeys. So, so that's quite a bit then. You know, you know with, with the recent strategy to decarbonise fleet, where are you with this? So as part of Scottish Water's ambition to achieve net zero by 2040, one of the goals within our net zero route map is transitioning to zero emission vehicles. So we've set quite bold targets ahead mm -hmm. of the UK government deadlines, accelerating that progress towards net zero across all segments of the fleet. So our aim is to have no petrol or diesel cars by 2025, mm -hmm. no petrol or diesel vans after 2025, mm -hmm. and then no new petrol or diesel HGVs by 2030. And I think that's going to be the most challenging as far as technology and infrastructure, mm -hmm. just waiting on that development. Mm. But, but sort of just give us a picture, what does that entail for the organisation and for you uh, managing the whole thing? Uh, you know, this is in, in terms of planning, implementation process. Just give us a sort of a sense of what's going on there. Yes. So really, in order to help us meet those targets, what we're looking to do is to try and transition as much as we can over to electric or alternative fuel. Mm -hmm. So. For the car side of things, we've moved to an EV-only car policy, so we're only purchasing or hiring electric vehicles now going forward for the cars. Mm -hmm. And then for our commercial vehicles, our strategy is to transition to zero emission vehicles when it's economic and operationally practicable to do so. Mm -hmm. So we really need to make sure that the vehicles that we're bringing in meet that need so that they've got the range and the payload that we need to deliver that service. Mm -hmm. So we've started looking at it based on a total cost of ownership approach. So considering the whole life cost of the assets. So whilst the purchase or the rental cost might be higher, the reduction in running costs such as fuel and maintenance means that there's a saving to Scottish water. Mm. We've got a sense of the numbers because you mentioned the numbers earlier in terms of what you're managing and, and therefore we kind of get a sense of what is being transitioned. Uh -huh. um, who are you working with to enable this change in terms of partnerships and collaborations? What, and and what, what is the procurement strategies that are in place? So in terms of um, suppliers or partners, we've been doing a lot of work with a company called Cenex, who are a low emission research consultancy. And they've been guiding us really by helping us look out to the market to see what is available um, we're working with a lot of the same partners as we currently do for our diesel vehicles. So we are working you know, with the likes of um, Ford, we're working with some mm -hmm. or different entrants to the market, such as Maxis. We're also working with people like Peugeot. Um, and it's, it's really just looking to see what additional, mm -hmm. what additional products are coming to market that meet those needs. So just going back to that payload and range, we really need to make sure that whatever we bring in isn't going to impact the service to our customers. Okay, okay, that's good. Now, do you have other forms of CO2 neutral vehicles or mobility options that are not EVs 
If yes, what are they? And if no, is Scottish Water looking into other forms of CO2 neutral options? So we have trialled a fuel cell vehicle, so basically an electric vehicle with a fuel cell range mm -hmm. for hydrogen. But unfortunately, the infrastructure for hydrogen yeah. in Scotland still isn't where we need it to be. Um, so at the moment, we are currently looking at options. I'd mentioned Cenex previously. Yep. So again, they've helped us by doing a market scan and we're looking to go live with operational trials. So a few, few of the things that we're looking at, aside from battery electric mm -hmm. for the van, is to look at deploying sustainable hydro-treated vegetable oil at large depots um, to fuel a number of our heavy goods vehicles or HGVs. So that helps us on that journey towards um, reducing our emissions. Mm -hmm. And probably the, the most leading that we're working on just now is looking to demonstrate the UK's first battery electric 26 tonne vacuum tanker. So we're working um, with some of our partners um, to to develop this and also potentially the UK's first zero emission 44 tonne vacuum tanker for hydrogen. So we're looking to explore the hydrogen market at the moment, but as yet there are no suitable vehicles available for that size and to do the job that we need it to do. So quite exciting to be involved in this yeah. space. Yeah. Um, very leading. Um, so yeah, hopefully within the next year we'll be in a position to yeah. It's interesting how the, the hydrogen infrastructure is still, I think, not so much embryonic, but still quite young and that you cannot deploy that at the moment or you see it as a viable option. Okay, final question on the fleet management transition. Um, what advice would you give to, first, you know, what are the challenges that you've had thus far in terms of this transition? And what advice would you give to organisations that are contemplating the move to 100% EV fleet? So what my advice would be is to start with the lowest risk vehicles. So whilst we would like to fully utilise these assets to get the greatest payback, so they obviously cost more, so you would like to invest in assets that are fully utilised, what I would say is to make sure the vehicles are capable for the journeys that they'll be doing, leave some wriggle room when it comes to range requirements, mm -hmm. and that really helps you get used to using the technology. And also to make sure that you're enlisting willing participants. So the drivers, they'll be your biggest EV advocates, providing valuable feedback and encouraging others who are unsure about driving electric vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. um, and making sure drivers have got access to charging facilities. So we've installed a number at our operational sites to make sure that when we've got vehicles coming in, they can charge up if they, if they need to get home again. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, and again, making sure that we've got adequate maintenance provision in place, because at the moment, not all of our local garage network are able to service electric vehicles yet, but this will come over time. Yeah. But there's a few of the considerations I would recommend. Mm -hmm. So you're in the middle of it. So, so Thus far, what feedback are you getting from the stakeholders about this change? So quite positive feedback from the drivers that are using our electric vehicles so mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of technology in the new vehicles, which the older vehicles don't have, which is great. Um, 
again, some some nervousness. I think we're moving away from range anxiety yes. to more charge point anxiety. So some oh. of the things I'm hearing is that they'll go to a charging point. It looks like it's available on the apps that they're using, but they'll get there and it's either not working or it might be that somebody else is using it. That's so I think you know, we really need that infrastructure piece to catch up um, with technology. But but it's good that the humans that's involved are, you know, they're changing their mindset, they're adopting it, and they're getting on with it. And as you say, it's the infrastructure that's somewhat lagging. And I know you're still going through the transition in terms of the fleet uh, for Scottish water, but what did you not know when you started the whole process that you would like to share with my listeners and in parallel probably provide some insight, especially for organisations on the brink of making this move? Well, I think that you really do underestimate the difference in driving an electric vehicle compared to uh, a regular ICE vehicle. Mm. So I think that really by providing training um, and support, and we did mention touch on charging and it's new to a lot of people and a lot of people are still driving for their own personal vehicles petrol or diesel so I think really you know we would be underestimated the amount of support and information that we needed to provide people so I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Okay all right let's move on let's let's talk about other sustainable or sustainability projects um what are the things is Scottish Water doing to meet net zero targets that you can briefly talk about it could even be charitable endeavors just briefly talk about some of the other stuff that you're doing in your organization yes okay so we're working on a broad range of decarbonization activities at scottish water we're working to improve energy efficiency at our sites where possible to embed renewable generation at our treatment works and use that power on site We are also looking to maximise the renewable energy we recover from wastewater bioresource and eliminate the use of gas in our assets. And then we're also looking as well to deliver net zero construction. So a lot of what we do for our construction projects, how can we look to decarbonise? We've got some very difficult to reduce process emissions arising from wastewater treatment. So whilst make some reductions in them we expect we need to address these with carbon capture so to do this we're looking at other alternatives such as planting trees and restoring peatland on the land that we own mm-hmm. okay okay that's good you know we can't have a, a conversation with an individual in the water industry without a quick mention about the current weather conditions we we have been experiencing across the globe and in particular in the uk and what is going to change do you think going forward with response to the ever-increasing temperatures and the need to, to, to conserve water. Yes, and I think you're, you're right. And we're seeing a lot of that here, although a lot of people think Scotland's just full of rain at times we have <laughs> as well. Um, so I think we all need to address our emissions to deliver net zero. We also need to focus on adaptation activities. So some impacts of climate change um, are already built in. We're seeing higher temperatures and change rainfall patterns that impact us as a water company. Um, water is a precious resource and um, it's important that we do all that we can can to reduce consumption. Mm. I'm just wondering, are the different water companies talking to each other and trying to share ideas and share innovations, or are things done in silos? 
No, we're very fortunate. I think we've got a really good relationship with the whole of the Water UK companies. We've got slightly different business models and that's mm -hmm. not um, is a public company um, and the other English and Welsh water companies are privatised but we've got a good working relationship with them and certainly from a fleet perspective I know that we share and talking today about the automotive industry we share a number of ideas um, but also we share some of the um, activities that we're doing if somebody's bringing in electric or bringing in hydrogen or gas we'll share a lot of that knowledge so that we can learn from each other and we don't have the same pitfalls as somebody mm -hmm. else experienced yeah. similarly for global warming as well I know um, there's these conversations that happen so very open with each other yes that, well that's good because global warming is going to happen to all of us so it's good to get together and collaborate. Okay, um, let's end on this question that will be asked to all the guests on the automotive series. So I'm um, looking forward to your answer on this one, um, Elaine. Um, what, what do you think, um, what, what do you think, or, to, or when do you think, I should say, autonomous vehicles will be in wide use across the globe for recreational purposes? If you could give me a year and why. Well, this is a tough one, and I had to think about it, and I'm maybe being a bit optimistic, perhaps, Elaine, but we'll go with it. So mm -hmm. I think many new vehicles, particularly electric cars, they're now coming with additional driver aids, such as adaptive cruise control, mm -hmm. things like that. It's already starting to feel a bit like we're on the journey to autonomous vehicles. So I'm going to go with 2025. Um, and the main reason for that is last month, the UK government outlined plans and committed um, funding to support the rollout um, of some self-driving vehicles by 25 mm -hmm. and said expect some vehicles with self-driving capability to be operating on motorways as early as next year. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe going with it, but I think maybe a little bit optimistic, certainly not maybe across the globe, but in the UK, um, as I say, starting to feel like that, a lot of the new electric vehicles coming out now, they really can in ways drive themselves. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, yes, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, 2025, and that's also one of your, your milestones in the organisations in terms of um, net zero um, reduction. But 2025 sounds really, really soon to me. Are you talking about for business purposes or recreational purposes in terms of these autonomous vehicles? I'm thinking recreational purposes. I think definitely for commercial vehicles, we're probably some way out. And I think that's always the case um, as, as commercial vehicles catch up. So I think for commercial vehicles, I think it could be out, you know, post 2030. Um, but I think, I think we could start to see it in recreational vehicles before then. So it'll be interesting to hear what your other... Your yes. other Yes, yes, indeed. And you will do here, you will hear when, when the um, series and episodes are released week after week. Elaine Pringle, as weird as this sounds to me today, <laughs> honestly, it's been an absolute delight. Thanks for, for agreeing to be on the show first uh, and many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much for having me today, Elaine. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.